Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Memories, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up on this episode of BGN Memories, we continue our look back at the 1980 Philadelphia Eagles as we celebrate their 40th anniversary of the team's first ever trip to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 15, and of course that fantastic season they had in 1980 when they were crowned NFC champions. And I've got a fantastic guest on the podcast this week, former Pro Bowl linebacker and a starter on that 1980 Eagles team, Jerry Robinson, the outstanding defensive star for the Eagles, and then later the Los Angeles Raiders, former first-round pick, played with the Birds from 1979 to 1984, six seasons in the green and silver. And we're going to talk to Jerry about his memories of that 1980 Eagles season coming up here in just a few minutes. But before we get to our very special guest, We've been taking a month-by-month look at this Philadelphia Eagles season in 1980, and when we last left off, the Eagles had just finished off a 3-1 and start to the season, winning their first three games against the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Giants, and then losing a game they should have won to the Cardinals in St. Louis. But once October hit, this team went into overdrive and began an eight-game winning streak that started with a home game against the Washington football team, a game the Eagles won 24-14 to that day. Another outstanding defensive effort by the Eagles. Joe Theismann had a pretty poor day passing the football, 19-33 of for 232 yards, just one touchdown, also an interception, a rating of 76.8. Uh, Ricky Clayt was the top rusher for the day for Washington, just 58 yards on 16 carries. And Philadelphia defense really did a number on a number of Washington receivers that day. Art Monk just two catches for 44 yards that day. Ron Jaworski didn't have to do a whole lot. 11 of 20 for 193 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, a rating of 100.6 on the day. Harold Carmichael led the team with 63 receptions, scored a touchdown that day. Leroy Harris also got a reception touchdown. He had one catch for 51 yards, a 51-yard touchdown, in fact. Ran seven times for 29 yards. Wilbert Montgomery, just 14 rushes for 41. Louis Giamona ran 11 times for 46 yards and rushed for a touchdown. I actually had a receiving touchdown that day. So, no, no, one reception for 30 yards, pardon me, uh, for Louis. So, Louis Giamona uh, coming up big uh, for the Eagles in that game. Philadelphia out uh, first downed Washington 18-14 to in that that game. Uh, Philadelphia won the turnover battle 2-1, to one, and that's really what helped seal the deal for Philadelphia in this game that moved them to 5-1 and one on the season. Up next in Week 6, the Eagles traveled to New York to take on the New York Giants, and they won that game handily 31-16. to 16. The Eagles 23 first downs on the day compared to the New York Giants 13. Uh, again, the Eagles defense held the Giants rushing attack to just 82 yards on 32 attempts. Another good solid day for Ron Jaworski. Again, Jaws didn't have to do a ton in this one, but was extremely efficient. 18 of 28 for 212 yards and a touchdown for a 99.1 rating. Again, this is a collective effort by this Eagles team. Luigi Giamona again led the team in rushing six 16 attempts for 42 yards. This is the point in the season in which they were without Wilbert Montgomery, who went down with an injury. So the Philadelphia backfield was kind of a mix and match here with Giamona getting 16 carries, Billy Campfield getting 
11 carries for 28 yards. Perry Harrington got four rushes for 24. Leroy Harris, five for 15. Jim Colbreth, one carry for three yards on the day. But a lot of these guys were also involved in the passing attack. Giamona, 42 yards rushing, but 52 yards receiving on the day. Campfield, 28 yards rushing, 51 yards receiving on the day. Leroy Harris, 15 yards rushing, 13 yards receiving. And then Wally Henry, Harold Carmichael, Charlie Smith, no one had more than 37 yards receiving, but it was a collective effort as the team managed to get in the end zone a number of times and pile up uh, 28 second half points in this ball game. They were down, the Eagles were down 16 to 3 at the half, but uh, rallied late uh, with a, a dominant second half performance in this one. Phil Sims, just 14 of 33 for 91 passing yards. One touchdown, two interceptions for a 34.8 rating as the Eagles move to 5-1 and one on the season with their second win in a row. And their third win in a row at home against the Dallas Cowboys. They won a tight defensive struggle, 17-10. to 10. The Eagles and Cowboys came into the game with identical 5-1 and one records. This was a tremendous defensive battle. As Dallas, uh, as the Eagles uh, and Dallas were tied 10-10 in halftime. At halftime, it was a Charlie Smith 15-yard pass from Ron Jaworski that was the difference in this one in the fourth quarter. Dallas actually had more first downs than the Eagles, 19 to 15, and outgained them in total yards by one, 249 to 248. Both teams lost a bunch of fumbles. Five lost fumbles combined in this one. Dallas lost two. The Eagles lost three. Dallas won the turnover battle, five to four. And yet it was the Eagles who came out on top in this one. Danny White, a horrific day. 20 of 38 for 222. No touchdowns, three interceptions on the day. Drew Pearson was an animal in this one, though. Eight catches for 107 yards. They could not slow him down. The Eagles' rushing attack had nothing. Wilbert Montgomery came back. Six attempts for 23 yards in this one. Louis Giamona, again, six carries for 14. Leroy Harris led all ball carries with eight catches, eight carries for 14 yards. And Billy Campfield, six for eight. Again, the receivers, no one over 59 yards on the day as the defenses were engaged in a big defensive struggle. But the Eagles came out on top, moving to 6-1, and one, dropping the Cowboys to 5-2 and two on the season. And then finally, to finish up the month of October, the Eagles hosted the Chicago Bears and in another tight one, won 17-14. The Bears came in at 3-4, and four, the Eagles at 6-1. and one. The Bears scored 14 points in the third quarter to tie things up at 14. It was a a late Tony Franklin 18-yard field goal that was the difference in this ballgame. 21 first downs for the Eagles, 17 for the Bears. Uh, the Eagles did not gain uh, the Bears by much, 305 to 238. Again, not an impressive performance on either side of the ball. Ron Jaworski, 7 of 14, just a 50% completion percentage, but no turnovers from him. Just 73 yards passing, Two touchdowns on this one. Joe Pisarczyk actually had to come in for an injured Jaworski. He went 7 for 11 for 80 yards, uh, but no touchdowns, no interceptions, as the Eagles managed to shut down Vince Evans, the Chicago quarterback, two interceptions. Two more interceptions from this Eagles defense. 10 of 18, 113 yards for Vince Evans in this one as the as the Eagles went on to edge the Bears 17-14. to But a four-game winning streak in October moved the Philadelphia Eagles to 7-1 and in first place 
in the NFC East. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Jerry Robinson about this Philadelphia Eagles team that started off 7-1, and one, went on this midseason eight-game winning streak, and his memories of that season, some of the players he played with, Coach Vermeil, Coach Marion Campbell, and the, the NFC Championship game against the Cowboys, as well as the disappointing Super Bowl 15 performance against the Oakland Raiders. That's coming up next here on BGN Memories. Well, I am really excited to talk to my guest here this week for BGN Memories as we continue to take a look back at the 1980 Philadelphia Eagles team. Uh, one of the great linebackers from that club, Jerry Robinson, uh, is joining BGN Memories. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the pod. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I'm here in, in, in uh, Northern California out here. Actually, very close to where Vermil Wines are, Coach Vermeil's uh, oh, vineyard really? out here. Yeah, I'm in Sonoma County. His is in Napa. So I'm here... Uh, dealing with fires and smoke and all that kind yeah. of stuff because, you know, this state is lit up on fire. But I'm, I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me, uh, really. Uh, you know, Bleeding Green Nation, man. There's just so many memories that I have about being in Chili Philly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess if you're an L.A. guy, it must have been a, a, a I know I'm, I was reading a little bit about uh, about you on the Philadelphia Eagles website and you were recounting about draft night because uh, you were taken by the team in the first round in 1979 and uh, waiting to hear who was going to be uh, selecting <laughs> you. And you started to look at it and you start to think, man, the, most of the teams that are left are kind of these cold weather cities. I'm a UCLA guy. So, right. You're a little bit nervous about that. Right. You know what? No, not a little bit nervous, man. I was in a, I was pacing up and down like I was in the waiting room for my first child to be born. <laughs> I was walking around. But you know what, though, John? It all worked out. It all worked out perfectly, man. I had a chance to be drafted by Coach Dick Vermeil in the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles, and he was my coach at UCLA. And I remember my mom telling me, she said, she said, you know what, Pumpkin? She said, I know you're going 3,000 miles away from us, from your family. Mm-hmm. She said, but the good thing of it is, Coach Vermeil is like a father to you. Mm. He said, if you ever have any problems, you know, you can always go to him or his wife and, and, and that family. So she, she actually said she felt bad. She felt good that I was leaving. You know, not that I was leaving 3,000 miles, but that I was going somewhere to where somebody cared for me. Mm. And um, so that was important. That was, a, that was, that was, that, that was refreshing. That yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Dick Vermeil because obviously okay. he is such such an important figure of that 1980 Eagles team. And he took a team that for a decade and a half, two decades, had just been among the worst teams in the NFL. And when you get like that, when, you, when you're a franchise that just continues to lose year after year, it can kind of start to feel like you don't ever have the ability to get out of it. And it must have been an incredibly, it was an incredibly difficult thing for him to be able to transform the, the, the team, not only with talent, but also with attitude to transition you from feeling like you're a loser or feeling like you're not a winner to to all of a sudden being a, a champion I know that's something he talked about a lot can you what was it what was Vic Dick Vermeil the coach like from the time you came on board in 1979 see I knew him like I said my freshman yeah. year at UCLA so I knew what I was in store for I knew that we were going to outwork everybody and anybody and as hard as we worked as ball players, he worked harder even as a coach and, and his staff and, uh, you know, it was, it was sad when he left me after my freshman year, but you know what, I knew what, uh, uh, what Philadelphia was getting, Philadelphia Eagles were getting, you know, and then you buy in the Coach Mills program and it's about family. It ain't about you. It's about us. You mm-hmm. know, it's about a, about a group of people. And like you said, it was amazing what he did when he got there, how he turned that whole program around. Now, remember, I'm a Cal- native Californian. So 
in the seventies, the Eagles, you know, the teams that win the Super Bowls were the what the Steelers and the Cowboys and mm-hmm. the Raiders jumped in there a little bit. So, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot about uh uh yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Sure. You know, but but the, but I learned about it real soon. And like you said, when he got Coach Mill got there, you know, after a couple of years, that miracle in the Meadowlands with Herman Edwards, it just mm-hmm. turned everything around. And to be able to 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 take a, a losing program. Mm-hmm. So when you have a losing program, you have losing the attitudes are are, yeah. are kind of like that too. And it, and and it has an effect on the city also. Mm-hmm. And what Coach Ramil was able to do was he was able to. To, to light a fire under the city, under the team, and everybody came back together. And the passion of the Philadelphia Eagles fans just went off the chart <laughs> because they were rooting for the teams back in the 70s when they weren't very good. Right. So you imagine what happened, you know, after Herm Edwards scooped up that Joe Passard check, <laughs> which makes, still makes no sense. Right. What the hell, what, the, what Joe was doing. But that right there, and, um, and, and the fan base is – they got a chance to be even louder and, and, and more and more recognized because uh, the winning attitude and it actually became a winning tradition while Coach Mill was there. What kind of connections do you still have with the city of Philadelphia? Obviously, you're in Northern California, but I, I have found that most athletes who spend a lot of time in Philadelphia, it kind of leaves a, it, it leaves a little bit of an imprint on them. Oh, you know what? It's fly, Eagles fly. You know, when I turn on on Sunday, uh, you know, sports, I'm just, I check the Raiders, I check the Eagles. I always check, you know, because mm-hmm. the Eagles, you know, was the team that I went to that I was drafted by that my professional NFL career mm-hmm. dream came true. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for that because uh, I was part of something that was really good, you know, while I was there for six years. And I'll always be an Eagles fan, always. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a native Californian. I grew up being a Raiders fan, but I am a diehard Eagles fan, too. I'm always watching it. You know, unfortunately, things aren't going too well right now, but you know what? <laughs> hey, yeah. what an interesting division. All you got to do is win the division. That's the most important thing. It don't right. matter how many wins you have. It's just, just win it. <laughs> yeah, and six might get it done this year, Jerry. That's, that's, the, that's the interesting thing. You know, even if it even even if it was five, it don't matter. Just right. get in there, just yeah. get in there. Because remember this, because back in Super Bowl fifteen, you know, for the nineteen eighty season, you know, the the Oakland Raiders. I mean, they were a wild card team. They mm-hmm. they just they were able to get in. You just want to get in, mm-hmm. and they went on and became, you know, and they wound up beating us. But you know, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, you just want to get in. So. With these early with these early episodes of uh, of the 1980 Eagles uh, team uh, BGN memory episodes that I'm doing here, I'm kind of going month by month and kind of ta- okay. walking through the season just a little bit. And when you guys hit October, you were three and one, but then you went on a long winning streak, and and the team just it has to be just an incredible feeling to to get on that kind of a roll. You didn't lose a game in October. It was I think it was an eight game winning streak that you guys had in the middle of that season. I'll have to double check that, but I think it was it was really must be so, something else. At what point in in the 1980 season did you know this is different than than last year that this is actually where you have a chance to be the best team in football you know it was let me put it this way when we played the dallas cowboys for the conference championship uh going into that game you know it was like it was an eye opener because you know hey you guys guess what all we got to do is win one more game. We are in the Super Bowl. Mm. And as a young kid at any sport you play, football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, you always dream about being a champion in that sport. 
you know, the world champion in whatever sport it is. And we had our opportunity for the third time playing the Dallas Cowboys in, in veteran stadiums where it was so cold. I'm telling you, that was what, 1980? Mm-hmm. And right now yeah. is 2020. I still think I'm still thawing out from that particular <laughs> evening. It was cold. And to be in that situation, and we went in there, and, and, and we beat, you know, we went in there. They came to us, and uh, we beat the Dallas Cowboys, and the whole stadium just exploded. And, you know, I, had, I, didn't, I, didn't have, I, mean, I didn't experience what went on before I got there, okay? I came there in 1979. And the guys that were already on the team when Coach Mill got there, those were the ones that I was looking at. And, oh, my God, the joy on their face. It was just – it was unbelievable because they've had more of a struggle to get there. I just showed up, and two years later, I, you know, we're in there. And, but they had to fight through it, and they had to buy into the Coach Mill's program. And uh, it was just – it was just it was just awesome. It, it really was. You know, and I got to say this. I just remember – that game, a lot of things I remember about that game. You know, I remember Will Montgomery. I just, I remember our offense explosive. Our defense was, our defense was firing on all cylinders. Our special teams were playing. As a matter of fact, we had the number one special teams in the National Football League. Mm. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. I mean, we had starters on that team. They were playing special teams. And special teams is a big thing, you guys, because that's mm. the biggest change of, of yardage anywhere, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so, you know, it, we were playing a great game, and I remember Tony Dorsett got hurt. We heard Tony Dorsett early in the game, and, you know, he left the game, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and he never showed up. He, mm-hmm. did, he didn't return. And when we got back to the locker room, you know, we had heard that, you know, he was sitting in there, and I think he had – he took a couple of x-rays, and I think he had a cracked rib or whatever it was, and he was sitting there while he was waiting for his x-rays to come back, and he was watching the game in, mm-hmm. you know, Otho Davis's unbelievable training room. And next thing you know – He's sitting there watching the game, and he decides to grab a bowl of Otho Davis's legendary chili and a piece of cornbread. He said, hell, I'm not going back out there. So that's, that's, <laughs> oh, my that's, gosh. That's, that's, he right? never showed back up. Yeah, oh, my no, gosh. He decided not to come back. He, yeah, so that – and I, I can still see Mr. Tosa's face mm. when he came in the locker room and the game was over. Mm. I mean – uh, let's take you back. We got to go back uh, a little bit here because yeah. it was it was a lady named Jane Kennedy, uh, a broadcaster named Jane Jane Kennedy, and she was the first lady that I remember being in a in a locker room. Mm-hmm. The game was over, you know. Uh, Irv Cross was there, the great mm-hmm. Irv Cross was oh, yeah. there, and Jane Kennedy was there. Brent Musburger might have stopped up in there, and it was like. I said, you know what, this, this is a moment I'll never forget. And then when I saw Mr. Toast with his $5,000 suit on, he was clean, <laughs> man. He walked in and the look on his face. It was like, you know what, we did it. We got where we needed to be, but there was a job that we need. The job wasn't finished. Mm-hmm. And, um, but anyway, that moment right there, that, that, that game against the Dallas Cowboys for the third time uh, that year, it was it was some special. Matter of fact, I got a picture of it in my in my office. You know, it's on the other side of the mm-hmm. wall. I'm getting ready to step. I got I'm up in the air and I'm about to stomp on some offensive lineman's head. But anyway, <laughs> let me calm down. I'm getting no, excited that's, again. That's good. I like the excitement's good. We need that. We we, we need that. And I, I guess how how did Dick Vermeil? What did he say to you guys in the days leading up to that game when you knew it was Dallas for the NFC title game in Philadelphia at Veterans Stadium and you knew sixty five thousand were going to be in that stadium going nuts what did he say to you in the days leading up to that game did he have to say much what did he say he didn't have to say a whole lot because the guys that were there prior to me getting there mm-hmm. 
they run the team. I got there in 79. And those ones, the guys that have been through those real hard times, you know, they're talking about what an opportunity we have here, mm-hmm. you know, to make history, to be part of the first Super Bowl team. Although they won in 1960, it was a world championship. Yeah. This was the first opportunity for, uh, you know, we could be representing the Philadelphia Eagles in, in a Super Bowl. And that's really what it was about, man. And we continue to work hard. And, you know, we believed that we could get it done. And uh, we just, we believed in each other. And that was what it was about. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Philadelphia Eagle fans that day and every day, actually, you know, they were phenomenal, man. They were mm-hmm. phenomenal. I mean, definitely a home field advantage uh, playing there that day. So we were prepared to play. We just knew that we were one game away. We were yeah. three hours away from going to the big show. You talk about the big show. Uh, a lot of people have been. A lot of people have said, and I think this mostly came from Raiders players that that you got that the Philadelphia Eagles were tight heading into the game, and that Vermeil had you guys <laughs> all wrapped up around the axle, and that maybe that you'd spend everything that you had in the NFC Championship game in 1980. What do you, What do you say to that? Well, I tell you what. There's a lot of Super Bowl games that the actually the conference championship games are better than some of the Super Bowl performances by the teams that have lost, put yeah. it that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what? We, we changed a little bit. You know, we're always hardworking crew. Uh, you know, we did what we had to do. And, you know, it just, it just did not turn out the way that we had hoped for it to turn out. And, you know, that memory, you know, being part of, uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl 15 team was, was something special in my life and everybody else's life. It was great to get there. But, you know, speaking of memories, you know, it's a bad memory if you don't win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so now speaking of that, the Raider players, since I and then I got traded to the, uh, to the Raiders, uh, the L.A. Raiders in, uh, in 85. And from 85 to the present moment, those Raider players on that team that played against the Eagles in Super Bowl 15, they never let me forget it. I'll get a phone call <laughs> or someone will send me a, t- send me a picture of Super Bowl, their Super Bowl 15 <laughs> World yeah. Championship ring, you know, but it's all love and it's yeah, all fun yeah. though. But you know what? No, we, we did what we had to do. And it's, it's, it, it, it hurts me that we weren't able to bring that trophy back to, to Philadelphia because, you know, at the time, you know, their fans, our fans, they deserved it because mm-hmm. they were, you know, very passionate about, about their team. They loved their team. So that's, 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 that's a little, dis- that's still yeah. disappointing to me. Yeah. The re- I mean, the following year, 1981, you made the pro bowl uh, for the first time in your career. How, how was it getting, getting back up for another season after coming that close? Did you, did you find that it was uh, that, that you were just as hungry the next year? Yeah, oh, you were hungrier because, you know, you didn't finish the deal. You know, mm-hmm. the game, you didn't follow through and you didn't complete the goals that, that, that you had set for yourself. And uh, I learned something. Well, I tell you what, if you ever – those players, when you, if you get an opportunity to go to the big dance, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy it, appreciate it, because you may not ever get back there again. And it never happened again for me while I was with, you know, with the Philadelphia Eagles at that point. So it was like, mm-hmm. enjoy, enjoy the moment, be prepared for it, you know, soak in everything you can because it is truly a special, a special moment. But yeah, we thought, well, it's like this, we go to the Super Bowl. Now everybody's like, Oh, now they're really preparing for us differently. Yeah. You know what? Well, this ain't the Eagles of the six, you know, sixties and our seventies, mm-hmm. early seventies or whatever it is. When we were going to those dry spells, yeah. This is a different football team because they are capable of winning. I mean, hey, 
I mean, I believe that year Jaworski might have was he. I think it was MVP. Yeah. And our defense was number one. Like mm-hmm. I said, our special team. We just had everything clicking, and yeah. you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to continue to roll that in because uh, it just didn't. You know, it just didn't work yeah. out that way. Stuff. Hey, and that's the way it is in sports, right? I mean, it's it's pretty hard to repeat and uh, go back to the big dance yeah, once you've been there the first year. So. Uh, it's not an easy task. I, I wanted to get some some of your memories from the defense that you played on in in, yep. in, ni- in 1980. You played with some great players. You played with yeah. some hard hitters, and it was a different era of football when when you were allowed to really to to, to really Play be football. physical. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. You know what what was what do you know what do you see t- in today's game that's that's different from when you guys were hitting people back in the uh, the early 80s? Well, it's more about protecting. You know. Uh, the ball players uh, because of, you know, the concussions and the head situations, you know, it, it got a lot of attention, which it should have, mm-hmm. should have gotten attention earlier mm-hmm. and they're trying to make the game safer. And, and I, I'm glad of that because, you know, you don't want to see anybody go through any <laughs> brain trauma uh, from getting hit in the head. So they're trying to make the game safer. That's what I like about it. But back in the day, it was, you were able to do whatever you needed to do. Mm-hmm. And like, like you said, I played, I was thinking about this the other day. I said, you know, I played with some great football players. I mean, you know, there's, there's Bill Berge, there's Bubba. And, you know, and just watching Bill Berge, the way he would move, this big dude looked like Grizzly Adams. I'm like, who's this? With a big water, a red man or Levi Garrett chewing his mouth, and he could just flow like the water. And, <laughs> you know, then I get to play with Frank LaMaster. Then I had Charlie Johnson and, and Dennis Harrison and, and John Bunning. Oh, my God. You know what? When, you know, when I left the Philadelphia Eagles and, and, and came to the Raiders, for, I had seven more years to play. You know, I looked back and I thought about JB and I said, you know what, man? That was one of the smartest football players I'd ever been around in my entire life. He was always calm, but he always studied and he knew the game and how much I really appreciate it because I know I could go to him if I had a question and he could tell you about everybody's position on defense, you know? Um, so, I, you know, it was Franklin Master, me and, and, and Reggie Wilkes and, and Harrison and, and, and Carl Harrison and Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Harrison. And um, then in, you know, secondary, I, I had a lot of fun. We had yeah. good football. We had a really good football team. And we were always flying to the ball. You know, yeah. guys were in a hurry. It was like it was like a track meet to see who can get to you know who can get to the ball here because you know if you got there, at least you get to hear your name in in Veterans Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> hear Dan Baker mention your name, yeah, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> hey, uh, man, yeah, and you know what else about that? You know, I, I, people always ask me when I came, when I got traded from the Raiders, uh, from the Eagles to the Raiders. They were like, "What was it like playing at Veterans Stadium, man? What were those Eagle fans like?" I said, I "Tell you what, man." They're some of the most passionate fans in the world, and they travel well, too. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I said, I can say that I played the first part of my NFL career in a football stadium called Veterans Stadium that actually had a jail cell <laughs> in the stadium. I said, now, you think that was for us or you think that was for the fans? Yeah, no, I love that though. Yeah, it's it's no one's ever gonna live that down, but no should we. That's a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it is. We did it through that Santa Claus story, and I'm like, you know, whatever. I said, well, just I just I'll tell you what. Now you know. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with the Eagles fans. You know, yeah. come correct, and everything will be okay. That's right. I love that. <laughs> um, so. 
one of the memories that people have of those early 80s Philadelphia Eagles teams is of Marion Campbell uh, when he became oh, yeah. head coach. But a lot of people forget he was a great defensive coordinator for you guys. Can, can you talk a little bit about Marion Campbell and what he did for your Swamp defense? Fox. The Swamp Fox. Yeah, mm-hmm. I tell you what, man, he was brilliant. Coach Campbell and I, you know, when I became the signal caller on defense, you know, you spend a lot more time with your defensive coordinator because you got to get the hand signals. It's not like a little green dot. We didn't have a green dot on our mm-hmm. helmet to have somebody talk to us. You had to take the signals in from, uh, from the sidelines. A lot of respect for Coach Campbell. I mean, I, we knew that the defense that he called for those particular plays is the best defense that we could be in, and now it's up to us to do it. Mm. It's up to the individual to do it. And psychologically, knowing that that the, the call that, that puts you in the position, the defensive position that you need to be in, is the one that you, that you need to be in, and all we have to do is execute it, uh, it's a great feeling. It really is, because it, it's a lot of confidence. I mean, like I said, our defense, we were hot, man. We were hot. <laughs> and, you know... Coach Campbell was a great defensive coordinator. Go awesome defensive coordinator from yeah. Georgia. Yeah. He kills me. <laughs> I, I love the the one the one video I, I always see from him. It's in all the Eagles highlight videos from 1980. It's in, during the uh, the first quarter of the Vikings game in the playoffs when uh, the Vikings jumped on top of you guys. And I think he's yelling at you guys a little bit, like you ain't hitting nothing out there. We need to hit. We need to start hitting. The name of the game's hitting and executing. It's just it's it's a great piece of audio from 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 Marion Campbell. Well, well, you know what it is when you know Coach Campbell was cool, calm, and collected. You know what I mean? He really was, but it's southern drawl and this mm-hmm. and that but you know what if he got if, if he had to get upset and, and you know and, and, he, and, and he would and, and, and he did and it was a shock for us we needed to be shocked mm. and um, you know sometimes you need people to bring you back to you know to back back to wherever you need to be and and in the situation you're talking about yes he definitely had our attention <laughs> <laughs> good all right, well, Jerry, last question for you. And you may have already answered this question. So if you have, I mean, just uh, any final thoughts on it. But just what is, what is one lasting or maybe your favorite memory from the 1980 Eagles season? From the 19 was the – when we beat the Dallas Cowboys in the conference championship game, that was – to me, that was huge, man. That, that was – that was a – as a little kid, you know – watching other people playing the Super Bowl. And when it dawned on me that, you know, we just won this game and we are going to the Super Bowl. And then McFadden and Whitehead decided to make Ain't No Stopping Us Now, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles version of it. And it was just, it was one of the happiest days of my life. Uh, you know, in 1980, there was a lot of things going on, but it all boiled down that, you know what? Like you said earlier, we, you know, we've got on a win streak, but prior to that win streak, we weren't on one, but we're able to pull together and believe in one another and get it done. And in 1980, for me, the excitement that we enjoyed, we were able to give it back to the city of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. to the fans of Philadelphia, you know, for anybody that worked anywhere in Philadelphia, it gave them a lot of pride mm-hmm. to know that we're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, so that was that's something I'll never forget. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out, mm-hmm. but you know what? At that at that moment, though, it was a great feeling, man. It's like you know, I felt like we were rock stars, and that's one mm-hmm. thing about you know, if you're an athlete and you're in Philly, man, you're very fortunate because you know you're going to be around some very passionate mm-hmm. fans. You know, 
Matter of fact, uh, some of them might even show up at your door if you do something crazy <laughs> in the football. <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> no, no, not now, but you know, now you got ring and all that other stuff. Sure. People be like, oh man, how'd you miss that tackle on the third and anyway, third and seventh, but anyway. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I don't doubt it. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> probably, probably the best number 56 to ever wear Eagles green and silver. Uh, Jerry Robinson, phenomenal linebacker, pro bowl linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, member of the 1980 Philadelphia Eagles team. Jerry, I know you have a podcast that you also do. Um, what is yes. the podcast? How do people, what the, do people the look podca- for? The, the, peop- the podcast is called People Doing Good. Mm-hmm. And you just go to wherever you listen to your podcast. And I'm the co-host of this show. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we, uh, myself and my co-host, we started this show because it's just, there's, there's been so much and there still is. There's so many negative things. There's so many bad things. And I've got this pandemic going on that, uh, you know, it, it's good to have people on the show that are mm-hmm. doing good things to make a difference in people's lives and in, in mm-hmm. uh, those type of areas. I'm also president of Shoes for Kids. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we, we, uh, we provide as many shoes as possible to children who don't have have shoes or, you know, mothers that might be in a situation where, you know, they might be a single mom or a family that might not be in, in you know, in real good standing as far as money's concerned. And we've been out, we've been able to, you know, hand out maybe 4,000 pairs of shoes to kids. Wow. So we can just see the smiles on their face. So it's called Shoes for Kids. That's H-H, you know, shoes, the number four, K-I-D-Z. And uh, so it's about giving back, John. It, it really is, mm-hmm, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, my platform, our platform from back in the day, is nothing like the platform that these young athletes have now. Yeah. But you know what? Though we're, you know, there's still a lot of good people from the from, from the past. And I've learned a long time ago, you know, you know, you got to give back. You know, if you've been fortunate, you should give some back. So that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm gonna mm-hmm. continue to do. I'm gonna try to bring as many good people as we possibly can to our podcast. Yeah. And it's been a pleasure being. Uh, on the show, man, you know, yeah. bleeding green nation. That's exactly yes. what it is. It's fly Eagles fly. And I tell <laughs> you what, you know, one, one more thing. Yeah. About my experience being with the Philadelphia Eagles for six years, you know, I've had a great opportunity to meet some great people, you know, coach Ramil, you know, we're still friends when he comes up here to uh, labor day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I try to have lunch with him and, um, you know, and Harold Carmichael, you know, I'm so glad he made it, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, that's yeah. my daughter, Jackie. That's his God, that's her godfather. Oh. So, you know, and, um, you know, I might talk to Reggie Wilkes. I might talk to different people. And it's, it's the friendships that I've made over the course of the year and one of the strongest bonds that I have with another human being, you know, especially in my heart, is Harold Carmichael. Yeah. You know, and you know what? So I just want to say that, man, I'm glad yeah. he made it to Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, yeah. and, you know, Coach Ramil needs to get off in there because he's done some remarkable things as a no head kidding. coach. He's not only as he's taken teams and turned losers into winners, he's turned cities into champions. Yeah. You know, he's changed the whole attitude of a lot of different people. So Big John, thank you, man, for allowing <laughs> me to be on this Bleeding Green Nation, man, because really I am Fly Eagles Fly because that's where it all started. And I'll always, hey, I always checking on the Eagles all the time, man. And, uh, you know, God bless you, man. Stay safe, man. And once again, thank you so much, Big John. <laughs> Jerry, thank you so much. And fo- by the way, folks, if you want to follow Jerry on Instagram, Jerry Robinson 5657 is how you find Jerry on Instagram. And go to shoesforkids.com, shoes, the number four, K-I-D-Z.com. Jerry, thanks so much.
You're welcome. Have a great day. Isn't Jerry fantastic? What a great interview. And uh, thanks to Sean Daly, who you can follow on Twitter at Sean Daly. Uh, he knows uh, Jerry really well and uh, is a big fan of BGN Radio, Bleeding Green Nation, and uh, BGN Memories, and knew I was doing a 1980 Eagles retrospective and suggested that I contact Jerry, hook me up with his contact information. He and Jerry are good friends. So thank you very much, Sean, for, for setting that up for me. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, fly, Eagles, fly, man. Hope to... <laughs> Hope to have you continue to listen to BGN Memories, Eye on the Enemy, uh, BGN Radio, Kissed and Soul, like all the other good shows we have here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. That'll do it for this edition of BGN Memories. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure that you keep checking out BleedingGreenNation.com for all the recap of the Eagles-Giants Thursday night football game. Uh, we'll get you all the latest comments from the coaching staff and the players and all the reaction that you've come to love and trust from BleedingGreenNation.com. And don't forget to give a five-star rating and review all the Bleeding Green Nation podcasts uh, that will be coming your way here over the next few days as we recap the Eagles and Giants on Thursday night. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on BGN Memories.